You are listening to Words of Jen, where I read to you one piece of my writing in each and every episode. This is Jen, and you are listening to Words of Jen, episode number 33. This one is being recorded on February 3rd, 2018, and should be released sometime later today, hopefully. In this episode, I'm going to read to you a piece of writing that I wrote on December 12th, 2014, and it was written a few days before a website that I was uh, at the time, still connected to but no longer writing for, was going to shut down. If you ever wondered what it was like to work for a content farm back before that term was really being used, this is the episode for you. This one is titled, Why Helium Failed. How could a writing website that seemed so promising end up failing? I've had plenty of time to think about that. In short, Helium failed because it didn't successfully adapt as things changed. Writers moved to more lucrative sources of payment, especially after Google made it harder for content farms to come up in its searches. Helium.com was the very first writing website that I contributed to. I'm certain I was writing for Helium in 2006, but it may have actually been 2005. The main reason why I wanted to write for Helium was because it paid its writers. That seemed like it had more possibilities than LiveJournal, which I was, at the time, using to post my book reviews. When I started writing for Helium, I was working in retail hell and dreaming of someday finding a way to not have to live that life anymore. Back then, I was working in a bookstore. It was a much more physical job than one might think. Books are heavy, and there was always more reasons to move piles of books from wherever they were at to someplace else in the store. This was where I was at when I started writing for Helium. It seemed like a dream. The website made it clear that it paid writers for the content they produced. This was unheard of back then. I decided to give it a try and hoped that maybe it would bring in a few more dollars a month. Writing at the time was something I did for fun. I honestly did not believe that I would ever be able to make a living doing it. Helium paid writers by the page click. Eventually, the writing you posted on Helium would accrue enough for you to earn $25. Only after you hit that minimum would you be able to request a payment. It seemed possible. It didn't take long for me to learn that it was quite difficult to get enough page clicks to hit the minimum. Originally, my hope was to get $25 out of Helium every month. That didn't turn out to be the reality. I kept writing there anyway. Looking back, I'm not sure why I was so motivated to do so. Writers at Helium were somewhat limited in what they were allowed to write about. Helium would create several titles in a wide variety of subjects. Writers could pick any of those pre-made titles and write something that they felt matched the title they selected. They could not, however, create their own titles. As a result, a particular title would end up with dozens of pieces of writing connected to it, all by different authors. I think this was Helium's first big mistake. 
There was another problem that arose from having multiple writers produce articles with the exact same title. How would they know which one to feature? Part of the way Helium answered that question was to crowdsource it through the people who wrote for Helium. Writers were expected to spend time reading, and ranking, other writers' articles. There was a time when you could not receive any payment until after you had put in a certain amount of effort ranking other writers' work. In short, writers were doing the work of an editor, for free, in the hopes that this would unlock their ability to once again get paid by the page click. It worked like this. A writer would be presented with two articles that were from the same title. The names of the writers of those two pieces were removed presumably to avoid having people just pick the one that their friend wrote. You were supposed to pick the one that you felt was the best. If I remember correctly, we weren't supposed to worry about things like typos, grammar issues, or other things that, in my opinion, helped to improve a piece of writing. Helium was a writing website, but it allowed absolutely anyone to join in and start writing. It did attract some talented writers. It also attracted a bunch of people who could barely write a complete sentence. This became quite clear when I started reading and ranking other writers' work. There were times when one of the two articles I had been asked to compare turned out to be spam. It happened more than a couple of times. I remember being really disappointed by this. Usually, the spam article looked like a real one at first glance. Reading it over revealed it had absolutely nothing to do with the title. Instead, it was basically a poorly written ad for some nefarious company that thought posting spam on Helium would somehow attract a bunch of people to its website. It was clear that the higher-ups at Helium weren't bothering to check things over before they were posted live on the website. This was my first clue that things were going badly at Helium. Another rather obvious problem comes from having people who have no background or experience in editing decide which of two articles, with the same title, was more valuable. They did not understand that if the title you are writing for was the best fish for a 10-gallon aquarium, that you are expected to write about the fish that you think would do well in an aquarium of that size. It meant that you understood that talking about politics, your religious beliefs, or why a cat makes a much better pet than fish do, had no place in the title you chose to write about. It quickly became clear that there were a lot of people on Helium who felt that the best article was always the one that matched their own personal views. This is what happens when you fail to vet writers before letting them join a writing website. It is what happens when a writing website decides that it doesn't actually need to hire and pay editors. Why did this matter? The answer to that question goes back to how the writers were paid. You needed to accrue enough page clicks to get to $25. Each page click was worth a fraction of a penny. At the time, Helium had a snazzy website that had sections on the front page for each main category of articles. The writers whose work was posted on the front page of the website got more page clicks than the writers whose work was buried because the crowd gave it a low rank. In other words, the featured articles were often ones that matched a particular viewpoint and that were not necessarily the best Helium had to offer. 
Later on, Helium put people in charge of certain sections and gave them the ability to choose which articles to feature. Helium had a rather unique thing going when it first started. It would post debate titles. These titles were in the form of a question that could be answered with either a yes or a no. Writers could choose to write for the side they agreed with. Their choice influenced which side's articles they were presented with when they went to read and rank other writers' work. If you wrote an article for the yes side, you would see other yes articles. Pick no, and you would only see the articles written for the no side. I suspect that Helium finally realized that, if presented with articles from both sides, people were simply going to pick the one that matched their own personal view. Somewhere around 2009 or 2010, Helium started trying new things. They tried putting together a section of how-to guides. If I remember correctly, only some writers were selected to write them, myself included. We were told that the how-to guides would be very lucrative and that we were to put our best effort into them. I think we were supposed to go back and update them if anything changed after they had been written. Helium was trying to compete with newer websites that were composed entirely of DIY or how-to guides. The interface was different than the one we used to write articles, and I had some trouble trying to get things to fit into the right place. Unlike the rest of Helium's articles, these guides were closely monitored. Editors had to approve of everything before the how-to guide went live. To me, it felt like a whole lot of extra work. I gave it my best shot and wrote two or three guides. The money didn't come. I saw no change in the amount of page clicks I was accruing. Eventually, I just abandoned the guides I wrote. In 2010, I got what turned out to be my first piece of freelance writing work. I found an ad on Craigslist from a company that wanted to hire a writer to write a few articles on a specific topic. They were paying a flat rate by the article. This, of course, was much better than getting paid by the page click. The effort I put into the writing would, without a doubt, result in payment. The flat rate articles became my priority. In 2010, on a whim, I went back and read some of the oldest pieces of writing I had done for Helium. They were absolutely terrible. All of them could use some editing, tightening, and improving. Helium wouldn't let me do that, though. They had this convoluted system in which you had to earn the ability to edit old work. It had something to do with the amount of stars you earned from rating other writers' work and the amount of stars you earned based upon how other writers rated your work. I had stopped reading and ranking at Helium because I knew that my efforts were much better spent for the gigs that paid a flat rate. The result was I had lost stars. It took quite a bit of effort, done without pay, to get back to the point where I was allowed to edit one article. What happened next was really disappointing. I put in the time and effort to be able to edit one of my articles. That newly revised version would get kicked into the read and rank system with one difference. Instead of asking the other writers to compare my newly edited article to somebody else's article under that same title, my edited article got compared to the original version. I should have guessed this would happen since I had been asked to compare an original article to the edited version before. It came down to this. If the crowd liked the original version better, 
all the effort you put into editing was for nothing. What about deleting old work? That wasn't allowed. The result was that Helium ended up with a bunch of articles that seemed okay when I wrote them, but that looked terrible after I had improved as a writer. I gave up on trying to edit old work on Helium. Not allowing writers to delete old work resulted in Helium having a lot of articles that had become irrelevant. Titles like The Best Electronics of 2010 are great when they're first written. They might even attract page clicks but they lose all value by 2011. Sure, Helium did have some evergreen content, the stuff that stays relevant forever. It might have done better if it weeded out the junk titles as time went on. Maybe the outdated articles and poor writing quality wasn't such a big deal back in 2006. It became a big problem after Google changed its algorithm to Panda in February of 2011. Google was seeing a bunch of identical titles by different authors on the same website. This pretty much fits the definition of content farm, and Google didn't feel that content farms were the sort of things that should appear at the top of searches. Many Helium writers noticed a drop in their page clicks. They weren't making as much money as they had before. The internet had changed. Writers could find gigs that were more lucrative, and more stable than what Helium could offer. The days of paying writers by the page click were numbered. Once in a while, Helium would send me an email notifying me that they had deleted an article I wrote for a particular title, or that they removed an entire title and all the articles in it. I honestly didn't care. Eventually, and I'm not sure of exactly when, Helium changed its format. This was done in an attempt to resolve the panda problem. They started by doing a contest of sorts in which they encouraged writers to go back into their old articles and edit them into something better. There were prizes involved. I signed up to do the contest, but didn't end up putting any effort in. I never gave the contest another thought until one day I got a large envelope from Helium. It was a Helium mouse pad. It seemed strange to me that Helium spent money on these mouse pads and the cost of mailing them when they could have been finding better ways to pay their writers. Later, Helium changed their entire website. It went offline for a while so the changes could be made. What happens when a site that pays writers by the page click goes offline for more than a few hours? Writers are unable to get any page clicks, which means writers can't earn any money. In the meantime, Helium switched from being one website to several 360 websites. Previously, if you found a writer whose work you liked, you could click over and read more of his or her work. Or you could start by reading an article in one topic and then switch over to a completely different topic that you saw on the front page. Not anymore. The 360 sites were independent from each other. Let's say you found the Helium article I wrote about the best fish for a 10-gallon aquarium. You could, of course, click over to the 360 site it was located at and read it. There was no obvious way for you to find the other articles that were written for that same title. There wasn't any way to find more articles by a particular writer because his or her work got spread out over a bunch of unconnected websites. Writers noticed that they were getting even less page clicks than before the change from Helium to 360. People complained in the forums. Some were already discussing other websites to jump to that also paid by the page click. 
things weren't looking good. There were now a couple of editors who were in charge of reviewing the edits that writers made of their own work. The editor would get the final say on things. It took a very long time to go through the entire process from requesting permission to edit something to having it approved by an editor and posted to Helium. The debate articles did not fare well at the 360 sites. They were designed for a format that was no longer in use. It made sense on the old Helium because you would see the title-slash-debate question, could easily see which articles were yes and which were no, and select what to read. The 360 websites separated everything out. There were now articles that had titles like, Can Charter Schools Be Religious? Yes. The wording was awkward, and there was no easy way to find the no articles for that title. I was not at all surprised when I was informed that Helium.com was going to close forever. The ship had been sinking for a long, long time. I doubt anyone other than the people who once wrote for it will notice its absence. If I knew in 2005 what I know today, I would never have started writing for Helium. It turned out to be little more than a waste of my time. My hope of earning $25 a month from Helium never happened. The only interesting thing about my experience there was that I had an insider's view of what happens when a content farm dies. And that brings us to the end of this piece of writing that I wrote called Why Helium Failed. If you enjoyed listening to me read this piece of writing, you can find more episodes of Words of Jen at bookofjen.net.